more praise this morning. Hallelujah. Oh, way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God. That is who you are. Oh, come on, sing it with me, saints. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in darkness, my God. That is who you are. One more time, sing. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, Light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Oh, hallelujah. If you're ready for the word this morning, will you say yes? I believe there's been a deposit made in heaven. Now we're getting to make a withdrawal in the word of God. Amen. I believe the saints have been worshiping him. And the saints have been praising him this morning. But I tell you what, it's important that we partake of the Word of God. See, what happens in the Word of God, he puts a sword in our hand so we can fight against the enemy. The Word of God's important. Praise God, we all should be shouting right now. Oh, come on now, saints. The Word of God, it cuts, it destroys, it divides anything the enemy tries to bring in the way. It is valuable that churches find that just as important as praise and worship. Mm, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Isn't the Lord good? Isn't the Lord good? One more time, if you're ready for the word of God, will you shout yes? Yes. I feel a strong leading in my spirits. I won't lie. You ever had that person who would call you up and say, you know, we need to do lunch sometime. And really what they mean is either you go buy them lunch or they come to your house and you make them lunch. Anybody know what I'm talking about this morning? Can you say amen? Last Sunday I told pastor, I called him up, and I've never done this the six years I've been his assistant pastor, is that I've never called and asked to preach. But I'm going to confess. I called. I I said, I've just got the itch. Preachers should have an itch to preach. Amen. Have a desire and a want to preach. Amen. If you got to pray about doing anything God's called you, nah, I'm not going to go there. Hallelujah. I'm going to leave that alone. But I tell you what, I told him, I said, I've got an itch to preach. And he told me what the Lord has given him coming up for 2020, and he'll share that with you next week. But I feel a strong leading within my spirit to preach a message entitled, The Unseen. The Unseen. Will you go with me, if you have your Bibles, will you go with me to the 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews, beginning at verse 1. We'll be reading the first three verses of Scripture. It's a new day. Somebody say new year. New year. Amen. Here we are again. We are at we we're at this place in time and season as as people as society. Once again we've eaten too much at Christmas time. We swore we'd never do that again. 
I would love to get an average of calorie and carb intake in the United States on Christmas Day. I read somewhere that like 10 million turkeys are killed at Thanksgiving. You know that'll preach right there because the president pardons one. There's one that's got favor marked on them. Of, of all people, Jesus chose you. Of all the turkeys out there, Jesus chose you. Amen. It's New Year's time again. Some of us are at places in 2019 brought about such a, I mean, it kind of rocked us a little bit. Some of us, the year 2019 was a season of suffering and a season of greeting, grieving. Some of us, the year 2019, it was new jobs. We found out details about our jobs. It, isn't it amazing how much what can happen within a year's time? Isn't it so much and how we can look back and it, it's almost like this sense that sometimes we slip into suffering. And we slip into a mentality that makes us defeated and makes us kind of offstandish and we get rocked spiritually and emotionally and physically. But I want to exhort for a few minutes this morning on the fact that though you cannot see it, does not mean he isn't working. I know that's a little cliche, that's a little common, a little basic, but I just really feel a strong leading this morning to realize stepping into the year 2020, we're not going to walk defeated, we're believing that he's working. Amen. Hebrews chapter 11 verses 1 through 3 says this. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. I want to read that last line there real quick. So that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. Look at your neighbor right now and say, quit trusting what is visible. One more time, look at him. Say, say it with a little bit of authority, okay? Will you put a little bit of that Pastor Micah stank on it this morning, okay? Give it with some Holy Ghost preacher stank. Look at somebody and say, quit trusting the visible. Quit trusting what is in front of you. Quit trusting what you see. Quit trusting what you're experiencing here in this physical life. Our relationship with God is built upon our faith in him. If you look at the word faith in the Greek, it has this belief. It means belief. It means trust. It means confidence. It means fidelity. 
fidelity or devotion. Many times when we talk about the relationship within a marriage, it refers to the term fidelity. Many times talking about the covenant between a man and a woman and when there, of course, is a breaking of that covenant, the children are in the sanctuary. You all know what I'm talking about. Uh, but when there's a breaking, we will say there was infidelity within the marriage. But our devotion to God, our covenant with him is built upon our faith and our trust and our confidence in him. We are currently, right now, as the church of Jesus Christ, we are at a state of faith in our relationship. In 2 Corinthians chapter or 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verses 6 through 8 in the Amplified Bible it says this. So then, being always filled with good courage and confidence and hope and knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. Currently, we're, if you're on earth and you're alive, will you say amen? If you're alive and you're breathing, will you say amen? So we know this fact. We're on earth. We're not in heaven with Jesus Christ. Now, I'm looking forward to that day. I'm looking forward to that day. If there's something I think we an old well we need to redig is the confidence and hope that this world is not our home. I do believe this generation has gotten to a place where we've made this world our home and we think that this world is all it is and there's all that there is but there's an everlasting life that we've got a confidence in and a hope in. Hallelujah. Our homes are going to burn one day. Our government, our, our government buildings are going to burn one day. Uh, but we are going to reign with him forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. My God, remember this. We've got everlasting life in Jesus Christ. Amen. Eternal life. Uh, it says in verse 7, we all know this verse. For we walk by faith and not by sight. See, that day is going to happen to where things are going to transition. This life that we lived in faith is going to be well worth it because soon we're not going to be walking in faith anymore. We will be walking in sight. But right now, we are children who are walking in faith. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Living our lives in a matter in a manner consistent with our confident belief in God's promises. See, the life and the state we are in right now in the faith, there's a confidence that we have. There's a hope that we have. There is joy that we have. There is spiritual resources that we have while we are in this time of living in the flesh. And in verse 8 it says, We are, as I was saying, of good courage and confident hope and prefer rather to be absent from the body and to be home with the Lord. Right now, we're in a state of faith. Right now, we're at a time where we're not walking by sight, but we are walking by faith. The whole basis of our spirituality is built upon this concept and this thinking in faith. Our belief system 
is built upon things that we have not seen. Our entire belief system is built upon things that we have, we have not seen. Interestingly enough that the flesh man has a tendency to have to see things in order to believe them. And a stifling factor a stifling factor sometimes is we get so caught up in the fact that we have not seen something in order to believe it. In Hebrews 11 and 1, it gives us a realization. You cannot have faith unless you have the unseen. Faith and unseen, they go hand in hand. So our faith in God, it's almost like the peanut butter and jelly effect. They go hand in hand with one another. Our faith in God is built upon things that we have been unable to see. But the flesh man does this thing. He loves to war with the spirit man, okay? He loves to fight with the spirit man. You know what I'm talking. There's a rivalry, rivalry between the flesh man and the spirit man. It's kind of like the state of Ohio absolutely hates Clemson today. No, let me rephrase that. We hate referees today. Hallelujah. Amen. Not many football fans in the house this morning. Praise God. There's this rivalry between the spirit man and the flesh man. And what the flesh man wants to do is make the spirit man that know that he is weak and tired and wants to get in his mind, get inside of him and say, since you haven't seen the manifestation of the promise, therefore you are defeated. Amen. The sound system's amen in me this morning. Praise God. But because you haven't seen the manifestation of your miracle, therefore you are in a state of defeat. That's actually one of the faith fables. Is that because things are happening and circumstances are rising up, therefore there is a weakness inside of your faith. Therefore there is a problem with your faith. Just because you see sickness and, and, and illness have a tendency to overtake you, you think, therefore, there is something wrong in my faith. You know what that is? That's a time where you're not seeing what's getting ready to happen. That is a time and season where you're not seeing what is getting ready to happen. See, in the unseen times, the enemy would love to utilize that and tell you that you are defeated, that you are overcome, that there is, quote, something wrong with you, that there's a problem within your spirit. 
spirituality and because you face these things. 2019, Pastor Ron and I were talking about the year 2019, and we don't want to run down a grief-stricken road, but we were talking about how many things that some of the people at the church were facing and how the, these life-changing things were, were happening, and they, it's like they were being hit like a wrecking ball within their lives. But there's something about having faith and confidence in God that, that when we realize that I've prayed and I've believed about it and I'm going to continue to believe about it, I'm going to continue to seek God about it, I'm not going to give up, I'm not going to give in because I know this thing, I have faith and confidence in Jesus Christ and I know that he is going to come through. I know he's not going to fail me. Will you step into this year 2020 declaring out of your mouth, he hasn't failed me yet. I faced some circumstances in 2019. I faced some dilemmas in 2019. But I know what's coming up ahead of me. I know this one thing. He's going to come through. I have no doubt. I'm not going to let the unseen get to me. Take me over because I know he's going to come through. Let the church rise up once again with a mentality, with a praise in your mouth, with the word of God in your mouth, with a prayer in your mouth, knowing I may be in a season of the unseen, but I know my God is not going to fail me. Hallelujah. There is a season and a time when we have planted before we get to see the fruit. There's a watering season. There's a growing season. But we have the promise. We will see the fruit be produced. You know what happens in the unseen that the devil wants to get a hold of God's people and do? Divorce happens in the unseen. Ministries fall apart in the unseen. What happens is people lose confidence in the unseen. But the word of God goes on to say there in Hebrews chapter 11 that we need to believe that God is and that God is a rewarder of those that will diligently seek him. The reward happens after the diligent seeking. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God is and he is a rewarder of those who will diligently seek him and will diligently, you know what, what we get from the word diligence? It's a sense of haste. It's perseverance. It's a not giving up attitude. It's kind of like a toy blow up punching bag that no matter how hard that 10 year old thinks they're all snotty and they're going to punch it. Faith rises up and they bounce back up. It's like they hit it once and they bounce back up. Hit it again and it bounces back up. I'm telling you, I think we got some people who've got a punching bag anointing on their life. You've been hit multiple times, but you said, I'm going to diligently serve the Lord, run after him, seek after him, because I know he 
is a rewarder of those that will diligently seek him. Hallelujah. Glory. You look at me and say, well, preacher, Pastor Micah, I've never been one of those faith people. It does me good. It does me good just to get out of bed on Sunday mornings. It does me good just to be able to get here. I've been one of those people, as they used to say on the old Hee Haw show, if it wasn't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. I've professed that over my life. I've professed that over my children. I'm just one of those fly by the seat of my pants spirituality. But I want to remind you of something, that your relationship with Jesus Christ started with faith. Your faith and trust in him is what generated your relationship with him. And when you knelt down at the altar or you took somebody by the hand and you prayed, Jesus, forgive me. Jesus, come into my life. Jesus, I give you my life. That was the one of the greatest steps of faith you have ever taken in your life. You wouldn't be here if it had not been for faith. Your faith might need to grow a little bit. It might need to increase a little bit. But let me tell you something. Grab a hold of God and let him build you up. Build your confidence up in him. Woo, glory. Give him praise so I can take a breath. Hallelujah. Amen. No, I'm good. In Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17, it says this. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation for everybody who believes. For the Jew first. And also for the Greek. For in the righteousness of God. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed. From faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. In verse 16, you, it talks about this, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. Side note here, in the year 2020, let's make the gospel our mission. In the year 2020, let's trust the gospel of Jesus Christ. My God, we've trusted everything else for a long time to try to win the world. But there ain't nothing going to win people for Jesus Christ than the truth and the power of his gospel. Anybody remember when you first heard the gospel message? Anybody ever remember the time, the brokenness and the disgusting thing that you were involved in? Some of you were so wrapped up and 
tied up in bondage uh, with addiction. Some of you even smelled like Satan. You smelled like addiction. Uh, some of you may not have had substance abuse problems, but maybe you were bitter so much to where people rejected you. People didn't want to be around you. But there was a power called the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the truth that you begin to hear of how he can change, how he can save, how he can transform. Oh God, let the church once again believe in the power and the truth of his gospel. I received it. We received it in faith and accepted him as our Lord and Savior. See right there in verse 17. It says, for it is the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. Now from faith to faith is speaking of this concept. From the beginning of faith. It's kind of like a timeline. From faith to faith. At the beginning. We found Jesus Christ. But now we begin to grow and walk a little bit and all of a sudden things begin to happen from that one place into the next. We have our starting points and our ending points of our faith. And right around here we're wrestling every devil that comes in our way. Oh, I love new converts. I love them. Church people, I'm praying for them. You'll get that on the way home. I love new converts. You, you want to get volunteers? You go to the new converts, man. They're excited. They're ready to beat every devil that comes in their way. They'll dump a gallon of anointing oil on anybody who's got a cold. Oh, my God. My goodness. <laughs> oh, Lord. I, I love talking to new converts. You know why? Because they're excited about something. And sometimes what happens is we serve Jesus, we go from excited to entitled. Lord, have mercy. We get a little entitled. We go from excited to entitled. And what happens is we start at the excitement and we begin to have experiences as a child of God. Our children get who we have raised in church now are old enough to make their own decisions and they're making crazy decisions. We face dilemmas on the job. We face problems and the whole while we're thinking, oh my goodness, am I not supposed to be a child of God? Am I not supposed to be? But see, the word of God is giving us a promise for the righteousness of God is not just revealed to us at the start of our faith, but the righteousness of God is revealed from the beginning to the end of our faith. And though I've been saved 25 years and my children have gotten crazy and my finances have gotten crazy, my checking account's overdrawn, I'm past due on my loan payment, I have a confidence. I'm not going to let the things make me grow stale and confused and let the devil distort me because his righteousness will be revealed from faith to faith. 
I want you, I want to give you a quick word of encouragement to keep praying and you keep believing. You keep praying. You keep believing. He's going to reveal himself. He's going to build you up. He is going to save your family. Can I prophesy that? He is going to save your family. I'm so glad, Jason Bailey, that when I first found Jesus Christ, it was not the only time he revealed his righteousness unto me. But every day that I live, when I wake up in the morning, when I go to bed at night, he reveals his righteousness unto me. Hallelujah. Wake us up, God. Break this complacency and stagnation off of us that has made us lose confidence and hope and trust in you, that has made us grow discouraged, that has made us resign and walk away from everything that is in a kind of a challenge. Wake us up, O God, and let us know our hope is in you. Hallelujah. Oh, God. Oh, my God. Look at somebody and say, wake up. Wake up. Wake up. Wake up. The life that I live in the flesh is no longer mine. Hallelujah. Jesus. Ooh. I want us to go into John's Gospel, chapter 6. It says, after these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. Then a great multitude followed him because they saw his signs which he performed on those who were diseased. And Jesus went up to the mountain and there he sat with his disciples. Now the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was near. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But this he said to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may have a little. One of his disciples Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish. But what are they amongst so many? Then Jesus said, Make the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place so the men sat down in number about 5,000 and Jesus took the loaves and when he had given thanks he distributed them to the disciples and the disciples to those sitting down 
and likewise of the fish as much as they wanted. So when they were filled, he said to his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. Therefore they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of five barley loaves which were left over by those who had eaten. Then those men, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did, said, This is truly the prophet who has come into the world. You know, there's something about a, a lunchbox. It, it, it says something about a person. May say what they're a fan of. A ball team. You know, they may carry a certain special lunchbox. Kind of the ball team they like or they follow. It may tell you they might be a little careless because you see some marks and tears on the lunchbox. It may tell you that, especially the ladies, that they are 31 collectors. I never thought I'd see the day where Longa Burger and 31 would start distributing lunchboxes. Maybe even says the type of job that they have. Sometimes if it's more of a blue-collar person, they may have more of a hard-shell lunchbox. Lunchboxes say a lot about people. And what they eat also says a lot about people. You ever had a co-worker who liked to bring canned sardines for lunch? Ooh. There's just a certain aroma that begins to fill that office, that job area. Maybe, or you're waiting on your lunch hour and someone puts like their leftover chili or their soup in the microwave and that aroma begins to fill the workplace. You know, there's something about that 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 lad had given. That's why I like John's account because it speaks about the lad who had given, the little boy who had given lunch. You want to know something culturally about the two, the barley loaves and the fish? You want to know something culturally? It was actually a common poor man's lunch. It was the common snack. Now, you know, culturally, this is one of those passages in Scripture. We'll culturally read it, but after many years of studying this passage in the Bible, I realized something that Scripture doesn't say. Scripture doesn't say that nobody amongst that multitude had something to eat. It just said that a boy had given what he had. Now a lot of times we'll start the miracle of the feeding of the multitudes when Jesus gives thanks. 
will do that, which is in a, it is important. So we clap our hands and say, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Well, that's good. Hallelujah. Thank the Lord. My God, thank you for what you have. Thank you for that jalopy you drove in this morning. Thank him for it. I'm not telling you thankfulness is still not a key and not important and significant, but here's the significance of the miracle. Here's where it began. It's when the little boy said here, I want that to digest for just a second. When the little boy gave, it was the doorway for the miracle. Can I rephrase this for just a second? When a young boy handed Jesus a poor man's lunch, the miracle happened. When the little boy said, this will fill my belly, yes, but I know somebody who can do something so much greater I know somebody who I've seen heal bodies. I know somebody who I've seen perform miracles. I know somebody who loves me and who cares for me. I know this will fill my belly, but I want it to fulfill his purpose. See, what was happening here is that the need was seen and they didn't see the fulfillment. But the little boy didn't know. I, I don't know the intentions. Maybe he just wanted to feed the preacher. I don't know what was going on with that little boy, but he knew something. When things are in the hands of Jesus, they can go so much farther. There's one account of this story that particularly says where Jesus, it says he distributes, but it, signif it, it, it brings out that he breaks the bread. See, as Jesus begins to break what we give him, it miraculously gets distributed. I'm going to let that soak in for just a second right there. Maybe it's time we quit saying, God, when this happens, I'm going to trust you. And when this happens, I'm going to believe you. Honey, it's time to say, Lord, I trust you, though all I have is a pauper's lunch. I'm going to yield it over to you. I'm going to believe you with it. I'm going to trust you with it. I believe somebody needs to hear that in the Holy Ghost right now. I wish about 10 people would begin to rejoice, would begin to let him know, God, this home is not mine, this house is not mine, this food is not mine, this money or this lack thereof is not mine. I yield it to you so that you can miraculously distribute it. I said, lift up your hands to heaven and say, Lord, whatever is in my basket, whatever I have right now, I give it to you. Do you see what he did? He took something that wasn't enough and then made it more than enough. They ate to their fill and they also took leftovers home. I may only have 
a half hour a day to pray, but I give it to you. I may only be tithing 30 to $50 a week, but I give it to you. I may not have a lot of resources, but what I have, I give it to you. I said, give it up. Give it up. Give it up. See, what happens is while we're in the unseen, we're seeing something unfold. We're seeing our miracle begin to unfold. I'm not going to get the tissues. That's an inside joke with me and Pastor. The miracles begin to unfold. He gave thanks for what was already there. What had already been yielded. And he touched it. Thanks for it. But the Bible says it didn't begin to grow until it what you got to do with bread before anybody eats it you got to cut it you got to cut that bad boy oh I'd love to have me one of those uh, Outback Steakhouse loaves right now oh I'd love to have one of those Outback Steakhouse rolls I remember years ago being like 19 years old I, I could eat like three of those things by myself oh honey 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 there's something I learned when it was just me and Elizabeth I didn't even mind cutting it I took it and I tore it I tore that bread I was ready to eat one of those good old rye loaves but the Bible said he took a hold of what had been given he gave thanks for it and he broke it signifying he broke it in order to serve it and as he began to serve it, it began to multiply to where something that was just intended to feed a little boy began to feed 5,000 and men, or as one gospel says, 5,000 and men besides the women and the children. Can I leave you with this this morning, saints? Quit selling yourself short. Quit selling what you have short. You declare I may not have much, but whatever I have, it belongs to him. And when he touches it, miracles happen. You ever notice what Jesus did with his disciples? He shifted the conversation. He took it away from what wasn't there and began to declare what was there. He said, okay, what is in front of us? What do we have in front of us? They said, well, here's a little boy, Jesus. He's got two fish and five loaves. Let the church begin to break from the vernacular. I do not have and begin to declare, I do have. I do have. 
this moment of the unseen, this moment in time where you don't see the miracle manifested, if there's one thing I can tell you to do, begin to surrender to Jesus. Begin to yield to Jesus. Begin to get a hold of Jesus. Begin to pray and connect with Jesus. Begin to praise Jesus. Begin to serve Jesus. And what you thought was minuscule and minute and insignificant, he's going to miraculously distribute. Taking what wasn't enough and made it more than enough. Oh. Don't get discouraged in the unseen. Don't get discouraged in the time where you don't see the manifestations of the miracles. Get on board with what God's doing. Get on board with what he's speaking. Don't say he hasn't revealed, therefore it isn't going to happen. Can the church please get, I'm talking about the church in general. Please quit understanding and thinking that our hope is in things of this world. Let's quit thinking that a man's politics are going to deliver us. We pray for him, but have you prayed for his soul? I heard a great leader say years ago in a meeting of preachers at a time where we were getting ready to have an election as a country and it's rang in my spirits. We're thinking the Lord's going to pass over the church house to do his work in the White House. The church is what Jesus established. And this is his organization and his structure and how he wants to reveal his authority and power in this world. Go ahead and let man-made entities crumble. Go ahead and let politicians rise up. Go ahead and let things happen and dilemmas happen. Me, here, the common man, I've given what I have to Jesus Christ and he's going to take care of it. Hallelujah. Will you stand with me? Very quickly, if the praise team